Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, who's enjoying a delicious RC brand cola right now. <laughs> how's that How's that treating you? It's, it's wonderful. It's it? satisfying and delicious to my mouth. Agreed, Chuck. Yes. Chuck, I know uh, we've already mentioned this once, but uh, it, I want to allude once again to the mysterious companion shows that are coming out on the Science Channel. Sure. Pumpkin Chuckin' and... That's the, close. The Road to Pumpkin Chuckin'? Yes. No, the road... Yeah. And, but they're in reverse order. Sure. The road begins at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And they're, they're on the Science Channel on Thanksgiving night. Yeah. It's a special Thanksgiving special. Uh, and uh, you can kind of glean from the name what it's about. Yeah. But we're not going to say too much more about it, right? And now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Chuck, uh, I'm going to give you a little known but historically significant date in the 20th century. Let's hear it. March 31st, 1999. Okay. You give up? Uh, 15, 16 days after my birthday, 99, mm-hmm. 10 mm-hmm. years ago. I was in my 20s still. Mm-hmm. Those were good days. No, what? On that day, the digital video recorder known as TiVo shipped its first product. Right. I happened to be outside that day, the moment that that was shipped. Oh, really? And I swear, I heard an audible, oh, shit. Right. Sighing out of every ad agency on the planet. Yeah. They have found a way to not watch television commercials. Yeah. Not only can you fast forward through television commercials, you can skip television commercials automatically. TiVo senses that um, that break. Yeah. Much like your uh, old cassette player in your car could skip to the next song because of right. that break, right? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was bad news for advertising. Yeah. It was... Uh, and I'm... I'm I have to admit that I, I do that as well. I record. I try to start even my Falcons games about an hour late, so I can zip through the commercials there too. Oh, really? Yeah. So you like to uh, postpone gratification? Yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten spoiled here. You know, they actually factor uh, DVR stats into Nielsen ratings now. They figured out how to do that. Wow, I that's, think they, that's a landmark change. Yeah, they factor it in as uh, whoever watches the show, and then there's the, the secondary seven day window after. The show premieres. I remember them scrambling to come up with how to well, yeah, sure. how to how to work that in. Yeah. yeah, good for them. Yeah, go Nielsen. Well, go Nielsen, and I guess go advertising agencies because they figured out a way around it. Actually, yes. it wasn't anything new, but uh, it's definitely been stepped up since the introduction of TiVo, and that is something called product placement. Yes, product placement is Which big time. You might not have been paying attention toward the beginning of this podcast, but we <laughs> did it ourselves when we mentioned Chuck drinking a delicious RC brand cola. Right. It's a little harder to be subtle when you are working in a, uh audio medium. Sure. You, you pretty to, much have to say have it. You have to kind of whisper. Right. You know? But the trick is, uh, in a in a visual medium, like a television or a film, obviously, you don't want to hit someone over the head with it too hard because then it can kind of backfire on you. Right. So you want to be really clever with how you place it. They, you want it to be noticed but not uh, to stand out. I right. Think. And when done right, it works like gangbusters. Absolutely. The key is to have a um, cool advertising exec working on this this plan Yeah. who luck. has nerves of steel right. and knows where that line is. Yeah. Because you want, uh, as Catherine Neer, our esteemed colleague who wrote this wonderful article. Go, Catherine. Right. She, uh, as she points out, um, 
it's it's very easy to cross the line and you want the product to fit in almost seamlessly. Yeah, because the filmmaker certainly doesn't want that either. No. so Even though it greases their palm a little bit and makes things possible many times, they still don't want it to be the focus. Any it, filmmaker worth their salt. It, they don't always have their palms creased. Well, no. There's, and you would think, well, yeah, they're, they're always paying to have their product placed. There's actually three ways that it happens. Yes. The first way is um, when a product just ends up in a scene organically or without right. any contact with the company who manufactures it saying, give me money. Yeah, like a director or a prop master or someone says, hey, that'd be cool if uh, Tom Cruise like smashed this Coke can against his head, his little tiny like head <laughs> or um <laughs> if somebody in the sopranos used a can of raid yeah on tony um, yeah uh, it, it very violently right yeah ralph sprayed tony in the face during a, a fight that's not good it didn't end well for ralph either. no and um the sc johnson company who manufactures raid wasn't entirely happy about it because really uh number one they weren't asked right and number two uh they it makes their product look kind of bad sure you know, like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Raid's really dangerous on humans, right. too. And, and they didn't use the can of Rid, you know, the fake things that Hollywood comes up with. Right. My brother used to give me those uh, little prop props as, like, Christmas gifts. The uh, the I would love to have one of those. But, Chuck, by the way, got me a can of beer <laughs> yeah. that we'd talked about in right. the previous podcast. Well, that's legit. Those are just right. generic products. But he, he would send me, like, a Budweiser can was Bud Macier. And uh, he sent me an Evian bottle that said Ewan. And, you know, they do it just in the same typeface, mm-hmm, and it right. looks just like it. Yeah, which Only I guess you can get away with. Yeah. Um, th- there's two other ways that this can happen. One is that the company trades some of their product for product placement, yeah. which is Paola. about as lame as it gets. Uh, not really. Like, oh, yeah, we need uh, 50 cases of Coca-Cola, and we'll put your product in... The movie, if you give us free Coke, who does that? Well, yeah, but that's the kind of clamoring that you do, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've been like, hey, if you send us some Reese's Pieces, we'll talk about them on the air. Yeah, that's right. Huh. So, huh. yeah, but we're not famous filmmakers. So. No, we're not famous enough to do it the third way, which I plan on doing. That's pretty much extortion. Yeah, financial the, compensation. <laughs> you're saying, we'll put your product in uh, our movie. Yeah. Or TV show, or on the internet, whatever. We'll get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you give us money in return, yeah, it's a big and deal for smaller films, though, for sure. Definitely, it's you know when you think like, oh, this is the the um, the most expensive film ever made, two hundred million dollars or whatever. Wasn't it Waterworld that broke the hundred million dollar mark or something? And then uh, I don't Titanic remember. broke the two hundred million dollars. It's just crazy money. But I mean, th- this doesn't all come from one guy writing a check or one studio writing right. a check. There's Japanese masters involved. Sure. There's there are, um, you know, uh, charity groups. Mm-hmm. There's investment funds there, and then there's sponsorship, corporate sponsorship, yeah. in the way of product placement. Probably the most famous, as far as I know, product placement um, was in ET. Well, yeah, I just mentioned Reese's Pieces, right? Out of context, but yeah, ET was famously catapulted. I even remember this. I remember Reese's Pieces before ET and mm-hmm. after ET because sure. it was a big, big difference, and they're. Uh, notability. It was supposed to be M and M's. I think people might have heard the story, and I think the M and M people uh, they said, "Nah, the Spielberg, eh. uh, who wanted a million for it." Oh, is that what it was? You wanted a million. M and M's turned him down. Reese's said yes. Eighty percent jump in sales the month the uh, yeah. the movie was released, and really put it on the map forever. So, and put product placement on the map as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it, like, this sure. can work. Uh-huh. Uh, and it does. Chuck, let's talk about the first product placement that ever occurred, as far as we know. Um, something in a little film called The African Queen in the 1950s? Kate Hepburn threw a case of Gordon's gin over the side of a boat. That's exactly right. That was awful. That wasn't bad. It's <sighs> better than my Kate Hepburn. I used to do a pretty decent one. I don't know what happened. You did a pretty decent one before we started recording. Or maybe I did Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> no. That was not Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> no, maybe I used to do that one well. I so, can yeah, keep them straight. Gordon's Gin uh, paid the the uh, production company that made the African Queen, uh-huh. uh, which at the time was either UA or Paramount as far as I know. Yeah, probably. Um, and uh, that was the first real product placement that ever took place. Yeah, that we know of. Did you know that about that same time it started to really gain traction and soap operas are named soap operas because they use product placement? Yep. Oftentimes, soap products uh-huh. um, in their episodes, and it still continues on today. What is it? All My Children had yeah. like a couple month long storyline where Revlon factored into like the <laughs> yeah. plot line the whole it's time. Probably like the Revlon killer or something like that. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure someone knows. And we'll get, we'll hear about it. Yes, we will. All right. So we've got um, It Simply Happens, It Happens in Exchange for the Product, or It Happens in Exchange for Compensation, or It Doesn't Happen at All. Most famously in the movie Repo Man. Yes, Repo Man, uh, filmed by Alex Cox. I think it's a. Uh, Wait, how do you know that? I just, I'm a fan of the movie. I am too, but I don't know who directed it. Well, he did Sid Nancy and Straight to Hell. He, he's a, he's a classic uh, director. Okay, okay. He, uh, Alex Cox, famously in Repo Man, used all generic products. And if you've seen the movie, it's a cult classic now. You'll notice that every single product in the movie is generic, and it came from Ralph's grocery store in L.A. Oh, really? Yeah, who used to make the beer that I sent you. So it really was generic products. Yeah, they were real generic products. So technically, there was a company that made those generic products that featured prominently. (laughs) So I guess there was lots of product placement. It was all one company. Actually, there were two companies. Um, Also, anybody who uh, has seen that movie can tell you that um, probably the most prominent character in the entire movie that appears in just about every scene are the little uh, tree Christmas tree air fresheners yep. that show up on every vehicle in yeah. the movie. Even and, a motorcycle. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they actually, the company that made those, actually sponsored that movie. So, Yeah, they, well, actually I looked into that. I think this is, uh, it wasn't quite a sponsorship, but they did send them free trees. And apparently they, Alex Cox said they sent uh, unscented trees because... None of the actors could stand to like be cooped up with the scented ones for too long. That's very kind of them. Yeah, and they basically said, these really stink. Can you send in some that don't? They went, okay. But they are air fresheners, remember? So they didn't sponsor the movie. They did not sponsor it, but they, they sent him the swag that was used in the film. True. Why must you always humiliate me? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so we talked about Reese's Pieces getting a big payoff, right? Yeah. Smaller companies can do this, too. Mm-hmm. You remember Red Stripe Beer? Rocka, rocka, Red Stripe. Hooray Beer. Yes. Yeah, I love those ads. Yeah, I like Red Stripe, too. Uh, I do, too, but I had never heard of that before the firm. See, I don't remember that in the firm. It, when he goes down to the Caymans and is hanging out with Gene Hackman, they're, they're drinking, drinking Red, Red Stripe the whole time. Oh, okay. And it, it, was, it was so prominent that there were, like, articles in the New York Times and uh, Time and Newsweek written about right. Red Stripe beer. And it was so funny, too. I remember, like, it wasn't about product placement. It, they were drooling over Red Stripe. Like, it was the hip new thing. Right. Like, it could not have paid off better for Red Stripe. I think they saw, actually, it could have. 
but it, they saw a 50% uh, increase in sales after that movie was released. Right. I get people probably were turned on by the uh, cool little squatty bottle. Yeah, but I mean, it had been around forever and was sold in the United States. Sure. Uh, I think they probably used it to just kind of up their market presence. I'm sure that they got a lot more distribution after that. Scene. Yeah, the power of the cruise. Yeah. He's very powerful, small man. Don't you wish that just for mentioning Red Stripe being in the firm, they would send us Red Stripe? Yeah. Maybe some retroactive compensation? Yeah, some juice. You yeah. know my uncle was in the firm, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> what, do you have DTs or something? No, some juices and some juice. Some oh, gotcha. Okay. I thought you meant beer. Uh, my uncle was in the firm. I'm not surprised. He just, he was in, living in Memphis at the time where they filmed it. Is and, Tom uh, Cruise your uncle? Yeah, he is. Is Gene Triplehorn your <laughs> uncle? Gene Triplehorn's my uncle. Now he just had a little walk-on, like, let me walk in and give the papers to somebody. These pretzels are making me <laughs> thirsty. Exactly. <laughs> uh, should we talk about Jerry Maguire? Yeah, this is a really good example of product placement going awry, Chuck. Yeah, if you remember in the Cameron Crowe film, Jerry Maguire, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. as Rod Tidwell was a professional football player who uh, is getting constantly dissed by Reebok in mm-hmm. the movie. And Reebok's showing me no love. They're giving me no love. And uh, that was a deal made through Reebok and TriStar. And the it was contingent on, at the very end of the film, after the credits, I think, there would be a phony Reebok commercial, finally, with Rod Tidwell, oh, that said, yeah. uh, sorry, Rod, we were wrong all along, love Reebok. Uh-huh. And Cameron Crowe cut that from the end of the film, and they got sued by Reebok. TriStar did, Mm -hmm. because Cameron Crowe cut that scene. Well, not only that, um, Cuba Gooding Jr. is talking smack about him in at least one scene, right? Well, they okayed that as long as the commercial played it. Oh, I gotcha. Wow. So it was all part of the deal, and Reebok supposedly put in 1.5 mil into uh, merchandise, advertising, and promotional support. They sued TriStar for $10 million. And settled out of court. And if you notice, if you've ever seen Jerry Maguire on cable, that commercial is back in the movie. Oh, wow. So that had something to do, or at least it was initially on Showtime. I don't know if it still is, but they uh, that that was probably part of the you know out of court settlement. Sure. Slip it back in there for cable and DVD or whatever. And, yeah, TBS. And we'll make good. Um, cars also usually feature prominently in movies. Let's right? talk about cars. Yeah, there's there's actually been, you know, anytime you see a, a, a movie where there's like a high-speed chase, sure. you inevitably, invariably are shown the grill of the car that has the emblem. So you know exactly like uh, the Transporter. Yeah. I think Audi's figured really big into that one. Yeah, and um, Transformers, I think it was that new Camaro. Michael Bay's always trying to right. highlight the new uh, models of uh, Fords and Chevys. The first, I think the first time I ever became aware of product placement was a little movie called RoboCop. Yes. Do you remember the Taurus from the future? Yeah, the Ford Taurus. It, it was actually the 1988 model Ford Taurus with a couple of ground effects on it that RoboCop <laughs> right. drove. And I remember it coming out. Like I think RoboCop came out in 86 or 87. It was definitely before that Taurus debuted. Yeah, yeah. So the movie was its debut. Uh-huh. And I remember seeing it on the uh, on the road when it yeah. came out. Like, holy cow, there's the RoboCop Taurus. <laughs> right. Without that, the ground effects. Dude, that's exactly what they want. It is exactly what they want. I didn't go out and buy a Taurus, uh-huh. but... Uh, it is exactly what they want. Uh, Josh, some other notables. Yeah. Clearly smoking the bandit with the Pontiac Trans Am. Yeah. One of the most classic. I would have gone with the bitch and Camaro over a Trans Am, but yeah. Uh, Herbie the Love Bug was, of course, a big ad for the Volkswagen Beetle. Mm-hmm. Not a big ad, but big uh, 
It works. That's the thing. It might not be intended like that. Sometimes it just works out. Sure. There's a classic movie out there that is centered around a uh, sentient VW Beetle. Right. That talks. Yeah. Is that what sentient means? Uh, <laughs> no. And does Herbie talk? I think he just reacts and interacts. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, sentient is aware of your own being. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't kidding. Back to the Future, <laughs> the DeLorean was prominently featured, obviously, but I think... If I'm not mistaken, that was after the DeLorean had it already had its run. It was a very tongue-in-cheek appearance. Okay, was that? And what actually, was? I think Pepsi was was definitely the, a corporate sponsor of that movie. Right. Yeah. And who can forget the uh, truly bad BMW Z8 that was driven in uh, the Bond film, "The World Is Not Enough." The Bond films are often used to debut new stuff. Yeah, because they're just such global events yeah. when those movies come out. Um, they're perfect for it. And let's, of course, Chuck. Let's not forget my boy, Magnum P.I., yeah. <laughs> driving a Ferrari 308i, Yeah. which, by the way, I've been online. You can get one of those these days for about 30 k Really? Yeah. They and it the- costs you another 15 k every time you need an oil change. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a TV car. Some other notable TV cars are the uh, Dodge Charger mm-hmm. from Dukes of Hazzard uh-huh. and the Trans Am from uh, Knight Rider, once again, getting some more love, and the Grand <laughs> What's Torino. What's wrong with Camaros? I don't know, because even Starsky and Hutch use a Gran Torino. They could use a Camaro. They were bad. Yeah. Um, I often think of us as the Starsky and Hutch of podcasting. Really? Yeah. Who's who? Uh, I'm clearly uh, Hutch. Okay. That's fine. Who was that, David Soul? Yeah. Nice. Uh, if, if you're talking cars, though, Josh, <laughs> a little company called Audi took it to a whole nother yeah. level, as we say here in the South, in uh, 2004. <laughs> The movie I Robot, which was uh, had something to do with uh, Asimov, right? Well, yeah, it was based, based on, on his, one of his uh, books. Book. Okay. Yeah, um, the Audi RSQ concept car is uh, really plays a central role in that movie, and it wasn't just placed in that film; it was built and constructed solely for that film. Right, with the uh, input of the director of the yeah. movie, like they designed this, it together. Yeah, and it, just for this movie. Yeah, it's nuts. And did they ever uh, re- release that as a real car to the public? Or Most that- concept cars aren't released oh, okay. as a real car. They're yeah, just kind of like, hey, check this out. Get excited about this. And then, sorry, chumps. Uh, some other examples of non-car. Who can forget Tom Cruise? Once again, we can't escape his tiny shadow with the <laughs> Ray-Ban sunglasses and Risky Business. Yeah. Classic scene. Yes. And um, Fruit of the Loom underwear. Yeah, Fruit of the Loom. Um, what else? Uh, FedEx and Castaway. The film Castaway. Yeah, but not just FedEx. Like, clearly FedEx features prominently in it, but they did such, the writer, clearly Uh this is the writer, did such an amazing job of Wilson sporting goods manufacturers. Yes. And their volleyball, that he, there's basically two characters in the whole movie, and one of them is a Wilson brand volleyball. Yeah. Named Wilson. Exactly. Yeah. But it's so. Perfect. This is actually maybe an example of the almost being taken out of the seamless, the the product right. being seamlessly woven into the uh, into the. I thought plot. it worked actually. It did work. I'm saying it works so yeah, well yeah, yeah. that I don't think must go buy Wilson volleyball. Right. You know. Yeah. It, it was just another character. I yeah, thought it was great. I wonder. Well, I guess they've proven with things like or, uh, Reese's Pieces that it works. But do you really get a jump in volleyball sales because of that? I I don't know seems unlikely to me. It will the um, COO of Wilson Sporting Goods please write us and let us know if you guys saw a jump in sales. Yeah, I'd like to know that. All right. Um, you know, Josh, now they have, uh, it used to kind of be just a, 
willy-nilly, let me see what I can do, DIY thing. But now there are, uh, most corporations have entire uh, branches, well, not a branch maybe, but they'll have people that work exclusively with product placement, and they search out films right. and contact them right. to try and get their their products featured. They have, I think they're called officers for um, integrated branding is the division usually. They always create such silly names. Sure. They want to they want to leverage their brand on a, as most as much of a, a granular level as possible. They call get... it Schillmeister. Sure. <laughs> that's a great one. Um so Chuck, this uh this has become quite the booming little cottage industry. Big time. In 2006 they spent uh 1.6 billion for product placement uh in movies, 1.8 billion for TV. Wow. Most of that went to a show called uh, American Idol. Yeah. Boy, Coca-Cola, man, that one Ford, is full of it. They will do anything for money. Because remember, AT&T, if you call AT&T and you can text to AT&T and vote for your favorite person on AT&T, and that way when your person wins, you can thank AT&T for, uh, for being around. That's, that's the kind of thing that Seacrest doles out each week. I feel dirty, Chuck. You know what they paid? What? Everyone, every sponsor, AT&T, Coca-Cola, and Ford, each paid 26 million dollars each per episode not per season is it per episode i think it is per well per ad deal we should say yeah i, I don't know how many episode. episodes that is but that's a lot of dough man it is it is and uh, reality tv as a whole has really embraced this and this is where i don't mind it that much like i'm a big top chef fan and that show is heavily sponsored um like padma will come and say if you notice in your ge monogram kitchen and you see GE monogram everywhere, or we want to thank the Glad family of bags for supplying us with this blah, blah, blah. But, you know, reality shows, they don't have the hugest budgets, and if they can get an entire kitchen donated by GE monogram, then good for them, and sure. give them a little love back, and it's reality TV. It's Whatevs. Not, it's not like ruining the uh, through line. The <laughs> right, exactly. through line. You don't have to suspend um, disbelief to watch reality TV. It takes the guesswork out of watching. I have to suspend disbelief that Padma is not really my wife. <laughs> I'll bet you do. That's what I at do. At times. Yeah. Especially when your eyes are shut really tight. <laughs> um, Chuck, there's been some really great examples of product placement um, being treated tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Remember in Wayne's World? Yeah. Where they're going off about how they don't, they won't do any product placement. They won't be corporate shills. Or, right. Um, and while they're doing it, they're, they're, they're showing the products that they're. Yeah, I think Pizza Hut was one of them. Right. And Nuprin, little, yellow, different, better. Right. And like the little <laughs> yellow pill is right, on right. his black and white hand. Yeah. Uh huh. It's, uh, pretty good. Josie and the Pussycats, apparently. I didn't see the movie, but I, didn't I guess either. it, uh, in their two minute, 25 second trailer. Yeah. There's like uh 30 instances of product placement. Yeah, as a spoof though, right? I yeah. think they're just trying to take the piss out of it as our English fans might say. Yes, which means it shouldn't be bleeped out. <laughs> um and also, have you ever seen State in Maine, Chuck? I love that movie. I love that movie too. So that happened. Do you That's remember my favorite line of that movie? Do you remember when Alex Alex Baldwin crashes the car? Oh yeah, and then he just gets out of the car and goes. So that happened, <laughs> right? He's all kind of dazed a little. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's hit his head clearly. Love that movie. Um, you remember one of the uh, very minute subplots was that was about product placement. Oh yeah, they were having a real problem with it because it's uh, the movie was set in the 19th century. Right. The movie they were making. Oh, that's right. And they had corporate sponsorship from like a brand new cutting edge like office supply company. Right. Um, so they finally figured it out and they kind of show it very uh, subtly at the end that right. like it's, um, 
like the name of the office supply company printers or something like that. Well, it was like ye old, uh, right. whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah, so, it was classic. Yeah. Poor Philip Seymour Hoffman was the um, was the writer that had to deal with that. Yeah. It was a great role. It was a great role. Um, Josh, not only if you're talking about uh, American Idol, not only will you see ads splashed all over the place, You a big thing now is to actually sponsor, I wish I could think of the right word. It, it's not even an ad, really, but if you go to their website... Parts of their website are sponsored, like the Old Navy Fun and Games section. Right. And uh, when was the last time you went to a Falcons game? Uh, I don't remember, Chuck. When was the last time you went to a Falcons know. game? You know, the red zone is when a, when a team has the ball on uh, their opponent's 20-yard line. I'm familiar with the sport of football. Yeah. So the, if they're inside the 20, that's the red zone. That means you're trying to score a touchdown. It is not the red zone in Atlanta anymore. What is it? It is the Ford Drive Zone. I've seen that. There's yeah. also the uh, Old Spice Red Zone. Yeah. Um, depends on your team, I guess. What city is sponsored by what team? Right, or, or who the highest company. bidder was that season? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you want to talk about books real quick? Sure. Uh, who's the author here? I've, I'd never heard of her actually. Faye Weldon. Apparently, she wrote a book. She was contracted by Bulgari, the uh, jeweler. Contracted to write a book. She didn't just have an idea, and they said, "Hey, <laughs> right. can you slip Bulgari in there?" They contracted her to write a book that centered around Bulgari. And she did so, and it was called The Bulgari Connection. Right. Well, so they did it. They contracted her to write this book, and it was exclusively for That's right. their highest-end clientele. Right, just as a gift. Right. See, what we we got this famous author to write a book about. Exactly. Okay, that's and right. here you go, Mr. Moneybags. But she did release it, though, as a, as a book and was chided in many circles. For I would time. imagine so, um, because that put her in league with such other titles, Chuck, I know it's coming. <laughs> As um, Skittles Riddles Math, the Hershey's Kisses Edition book, the M&M's brand counting book, Twizzler's Percentages book, and the Cheerios Christmas Playbook. Yeah, apparently kids' books are rife with this kind of thing. I didn't know that. Kids' book and uh, Faye Weldon books. Yeah, I had no idea. And uh, Catherine gave a great example here. She said something about, you know, if you think that maybe they just sponsored the book and put their name on the title. Not true. The Oreo cookie counting book literally... You're counting Oreos. You open up the page and you're counting. This is how you teach kids to count by counting cookies. Count delicious Oreo cookies. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the uh, first product placement. We should have qualified that, Chuck. As far as we know, it's the first product placement in a movie. Cat uh, Hepburn throwing Gordon's gin over the, overboard. That's right. Right. Um, the oldest product placement that uh, Catherine could come up with was in a song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Yeah. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. You got it. That's one of the more obvious uh, product placements. But from what we can tell, it was not accidental, but it was he was certainly not given Cracker Jacks, and they didn't pay him anything to do that. Yeah. But still very famous uh, e- example. Let me give you an example that has yet to happen yet. It's an example of product placement from the future. Look at this. Okay. On the November 8th episode of The Family Guy. Viewers will be treated to what has been called pretty much a 30-minute ad for Windows 7. Really? Really? Yep. Is this one of those things where they sponsor the show ad-free? No, the whole episode's about it. Oh, okay. Huh. I can't imagine not making fun of it, though. I'm sure they'll make fun of it because they have to, you know, you want a cool ad exec, and Seth MacFarlane's not a complete sellout, um, but he, he, I'm sure it'll be as cool as a 30-minute infomercial cartoon can be, and probably even cooler than it can be. It'll be classy. 
Wow. <laughs> We've got Rich Little sitting over here. Good Lord. Um, but do you want to know where I found that little tidbit of information? On fucks.com. No, I didn't. Where? Do you want to know? Yeah. Folks, there is a site out there where if you are looking to arm yourself against product placement, uh, you can go to, and it'll give you a heads up on what's coming out. It's really? an industry website called productplacement.biz, www.productplacement.biz. Wow. The actual name of the site is Product Placement News, and it's all like basically press releases and articles about the industry of product placement. Holy cow. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess the final example uh, that Catherine mentions in the article is noteworthy is um, rap music. Starting way back with Run DMC and my Adidas. Sure. I don't know that. I mean, I think they did that themselves, though. They were pretty well, no. fond of Adidas. That's that's what her point is, is is most of the instances in rap music, like uh, Busta Rhymes had a song called Pass the Covassier, Part 2. Most of these come out because of the artist's uh, fondness for the product. And then, afterward, the product will get in touch with them and say, Hey, Busta, thanks, man. Uh, you really did us a solid. And so... Here's a year supply worth of uh, Cavassier. And some trees. And, and whatever else. <laughs> um, that's actually happened a lot earlier than with the advent of hip-hop, what you just described. Sure. There is a very deep-seated rumor surrounding Janis Joplin. Who Southern Comfort? Might, yeah, you might remember had an affinity for uh, Southern yeah, Comfort. Would time. drink fifths of it on stage during the show. Yeah. Would go through a fifth during a show. Poor Janis. Yeah. You know she couldn't hack it the first time she went out from Texas to uh, San Francisco. Yeah, she she had a she really had to go home. Life. Like she was yeah. like, I can't do this. And then she, I guess, started really, really uh, getting wasted and was like, Okay, let me try again. And right. that one took. Right. She met up with Pigpen, and that it just went downhill from there. Yeah. Did you ever read those letters? Wait, hold on. I wasn't done with le- my story. Well, I'm not done with my part either. All right, go ahead. Did you ever see the, the, the letters from her sister that she and her sister wrote back and forth, that documentary? No, I'll bet they went... <laughs> no, it was actually very touching and very sad. She wasn't like Miss Big Pants rock star. She was like a really sweet, down-home girl that was, like you said, was very shy and nervous and and uh, close to her family. Very tragic. Yeah, that is tragic. So let's well, hear about time somebody though. dies at age 27, that's yeah, pretty tragic, sure. you know? Um Apparently, there's a rumor that um, Soko was so fond of her um, drinking their product mm-hmm. and hawking it um, just by taking it up on stage that they bought her the mink uh, coat that no she way. wears on the album cover uh, for the album Pearl. Wow. Yeah. Classic cover. Yeah. Those big round glasses. I've also heard they bought the Rolls Royce that she's standing next to as well. Really? But, yeah. You know, i got a little tip for you. Janis Joplin spent her last night at Barney's Beanery in West Hollywood, drinking Southern Comfort, went off to a hotel and died. Go to Barney's Beanery and order the toad in the hole. Okay. Thank me later. And if uh, you want to know more about product... God, I feel like such a jerk saying this after that. If you want to know more about product placement, you can type product placement into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And that means it's time for listener mail. Indeed. Uh, Josh, I'm just going to call this our favorite high-speed story so far. Already? Man, Chuck, you got turnover going. We did our Cannonball Run uh, episode recently, and we asked for high-speed stories. We got a bunch of good ones. We don't want to plug those because it's unsafe to drive fast, kids. But this came from uh, Jamie in Chicago. Uh, Jamie works at a financial advising firm, and we help him get through some long work days, Josh. Mm Mm-hmm. He has an Uncle Matt that's a pretty big car collector. He never owns more than two to three cars, but he always has a nice Corvette or a muscle car from the 70s that'll buy, fix up, and then sell or trade. Cool. 
In the early 1980s, uh, Uncle Matt was living in Kansas. He had just bought and fixed up his Corvette, and he took it out on a nice flat highway in Kansas to see what it could do. He was going between 120 and 140 when he saw the flashing blue lights in the mirror, and uh, cop pulled him over. Cop walked up and says, do you know why I pulled you over, sir? And Matt said, uh, I tried to fumble through some answer about how fast he was driving, and uh, the cop said, I pulled you over because in this state, we have a law that all aircraft must have their tail numbers displayed on their wings. <laughs> Turns out the cop was a gearhead and more interested in looking under the hood than giving him a ticket. So not only did he not end up giving him a speeding ticket, he just said, keep it down to more of a land speed level and send him on his way. Sweet. So good for Uncle Matt. That is a good one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we're done with the speed stories, right? Yeah, we're not going to read too many of those. Well, then I guess that means that uh, we should just have a grab bag this week, huh? Yeah, grab bag. Anything you feel like saying to us, you just go ahead and say it. Send it in an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?